last episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, the intro was no edits. And it actually sped up the process a little bit because editing takes time. Doing everything takes time, right? But it kind of sped it up a little bit and, you know, it sounded good. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying for not doing any edits and usually I edit, take out the dead space, you know, stuff like that. I did still take out some dead space, but I didn't touch a single word, anything like that. I stumbled a couple of times like, and I just said, hey, oh, if I could only talk, let's continue. And that's what we did. Well, here we are. I'm going to do the same thing. And hopefully I can get through this first part without like a huge celebratory moment where I can't speak because I'm just so happy because Aaron Rodgers is gone from the Green Bay Packers, traded to the New York Jets for some picks, and hopefully, hopefully, this conversation just goes away, at least for a little bit. If the New York Jets make it to the playoffs and they got a shot at a Super Bowl, okay, let's talk about it. But I am so sick of Aaron Rodgers, so sick of the Green Bay Packers, so sick of the New York Jets, and besides the Green Bay Packers, which I loathe as a sports fan and as a Chicago Bears fan, you know, Aaron Rodgers and New York Jets, I can usually talk about a little bit. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. New York Jets, I have no affiliation and no hate for them whatsoever. Green Bay Packers, another story. But I'm just sick of it. Like, let's move on. Let's go. Like, why we got to talk about the same thing for hours, days, weeks, months, years. And here I am talking about it like I'm complaining about. So let's move on because, you know, there's other things going on like high school spring sports. We're going to break those down in win-lose stat catching up on March as we are in the end of April. It's April 26th. We're going to get caught up. It's been a blast just paying attention to baseball, softball, watching it, track going strong. And we've had the usual breaks. Bad weather. It seems like the beginning of the season really just happened like last week. Normal, normal high school winter season, sorry, spring season, which feels like winter in Illinois. So hopefully the end of April, all of May, we get stuff going. I know soccer playoffs start in like two weeks and then it's full fledged from there. So we'll get those up to date, caught up, got some great guests on this show. We're going to call this the bro show, at least right here. Don't know if that is going to be the name of the podcast. We'll figure that out as we go here. The Bro Show, Chance Bloomhurst and Trey Bloomhurst from Mendota. But it's not because they're from Mendota that they're on the show. It's because they both had their first year as head boys basketball coaches this winter season as Chance Bloomhurst took over Lamoille and Trey Bloomhurst was the head coach for the Depew Little Giants. What's really awesome about this being their first year is the brothers coached against each other Four times throughout the season. Four times, that's right. I was actually a ref of their second meeting at the Lamoille Christmas Tournament. Lamoille won that game. And Lamoille won two more of the four as Lamoille went 3-1 and one against Depew. Lamoille was 8-18 eight and 18 on the year. 2-7 and seven in the Little Ten Conference. Talked to, actually messaged, Coach Chance Bloomhurst of the Lamoille Lions And he said there was a couple really, really close games where they had an opportunity to finish with 11 or 12 wins on the season, but inexperience just didn't get the right bounces. And you know that happens. A loss becomes a win. Win becomes a loss. Unfortunately for the Lions, it went the losing effort or the losing route. But Chance said this was a great season. He was glad it was his first great group of kids, and he did not want the season to end one bit. 
DePew went 6-22, second and eight in the Little Ten Conference. DePew finished 10th in the conference while Lamoille finished 9th. I spoke with Chance before the season began, and I spoke with Trey after the season ended. So we get two perspectives, and of course, we got Trey, the little brother, not doing a lot of trash talking. He really can't because he lost the Series 3-1, but it was fun hearing him, uh, you know, as the younger brother, both first-year coaches, talking about coaching against his brother and just the experience. Uh, He's been a coach. He's been doing a lot of things. We'll talk about that as well as he is a man of many hats with Depew. Chance is also a man of many hats with with Lamoyle and LaSalle Lincoln. He does a lot of other things as well. They keep busy. We all keep busy. Got to keep moving and grooving. My name is Brandon LaChance, the host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website www.rss.com backslash edge of your seat podcast the socials you know we're there facebook edge of your seat podcast and twitter edge of your seat p if you want to link me up look me up on the personals it is brandon lachance my last name is l-a-c-h-a-n-c-e or what i like to say l-a chance on twitter it's lachance writer at lachance writer please on spotify apple podcast facebook twitter all the sites, all the socials, all the everything. Please like, review, five-star, comment. Really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot trying to move up the ladder of podcasts and at least have the Illinois Valley, Illinois know we're here. But I was looking at the data, the data of where we are being downloaded, looked at, all that good stuff. And we are all over the place. And that is much love Much thank you to everybody that listens to the show. I know it's kind of a niche market. Illinois Valley is only so big, but last month had 1,100 downloads. That's big. It's not 1,100 every month. I will be totally transparent. 41 months in the game. We started this podcast October of 2019. We're averaging 780 downloads per month over 41 months. Not a huge, crazy number, but... 780 in an area like this, sports, kind of a niche podcast. I'm really, really happy and thankful for every single time you guys press the listen button, the like, the whatever. So I just wanted to send a special shout out. And if you could keep doing so or tell your friends or talk about it or promote us in any little way you want to, it's much appreciated. And this show, episode 261. I may have said 260, but it's 261. We had 260 with Christian Rose on Saturday. Was going to be 261, and this was going to be 260, but I flipped them because the Dreamwave show was on Saturday. Christian Rose, still the champ. He beat Johnny Dreamwave. Johnny Dreamwave had some traveling issues and ordeal. Man, his flight got delayed. He didn't get to Chicago till like 6.30 or 7. Didn't get to... LaSalle until 9, and then the match was at 9.20, pushing the show late, because it was supposed it was supposed to go 6 to 9, and it was a little later, man, but they got it done, Dreamwave, always successful, always doing their thing, you know, you got to move, you got to shake, you got to make adjustments as things happen, because you can't stop flight delays, you can't call the pilot or the airline and say, look, this guy has to be here, you don't have a choice, get the plane going, let's go. I mean, you could do that, but it's not going to make it happen. So big props to Dreamwave. 
and always doing their thing. They got another show June 17th. I will not be able to make that one. I will be in West Virginia. I was going to go to this one. Then I was going to North Carolina. When I say this one, I mean the April 22nd show. And then I had some uh, internal health issues. And then I was invited to one of the coolest things that I've ever done in my life. I went to A Night to Remember, which is a prom for special needs individuals. It was in Princeton, and it was such a fantastic event, a great experience, and I would go again. So thankful I was asked, invited to go. It was super cool. Man, I can't say it enough how awesome of an event that was. Got to meet all kinds of different people, and you know, you're just seeing people that are different than you, and it makes you cherish what you have and who you are and what you're able to do and then look around at the very thoughtful kind caring people that are there for everybody every second to help other people with their lives and things like that it was just a real you know eye-opening heart-wrenching heart-lifting motivational just everything kind of experience it was a blast and i'm really really thankful that i went Adding to this loaded show, we got the Bloomhurst brothers, already mentioned them. Then we'll have Bring It Back, breaking down the Rolling Stone Magazine top 500 albums of all time list. We are at David Bowie's Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Had to think about that for a second. Scary Monsters and Super Creeps from 1980. It won the vote that you guys picked. You guys voted David Bowie. And, man, it was a close, close poll, to say the least. We also have win-lose stat, which I mentioned before. We'll break down the rest of March where I left off. I believe we'll go March 21st to March 31st. Or actually March 30th, because I believe that was a Friday. Saturday got rained out. It's been crazy weather. So I've been trying to get win-lose stat in there when we can. We're going to start with Bring It Back, David Bowie. We'll get into win-lose stat. And then we'll hear from the Bloomhurst brothers, Chance Bloomhurst and Trey Bloomhurst. First, let's hear a word, one of our great, amazing sponsors, First State Bank. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high interest credit card. What about take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online also. Check out FSB Premier's account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a newer existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Bring it back. One of my favorite segments. We go over the Rolling Stone magazine, top 500 albums of the list. We started at 500, put up polls of four on Twitter, then transferred those over to Facebook, asked some friends, family, people around. I'll go anywhere. Hey, who do you like out of these four? Pick one for me. I've had guests choose, all kinds of stuff get the votes. This one had almost 100 votes. It's pretty cool. People getting involved. Love when people get involved and help me with this awesomeness that we call Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The poll was at 444. 
Fiona Apple's Extraordinary Machine from 2005. 443, David Bowie, Scary Monsters, Super Creeps from 1980. 442, The Weekends, Beauty Behind the Monsters, 2015. And at 441 was Britney Spears' Blackout from 2007. It was a three-way tie between David Bowie, The Weeknd, and Britney Spears. I was thinking that The Weeknd was going to win this hands down. And I spoke to some older gentlemen and I spoke to some younger people and it seemed like The Weeknd was going to run away with this. They did not, or he did not, sorry, not The Weeknd plural, it's The Weeknd as in one guy. He did not run away with it. Bowie, Weeknd, Spurs, Spurs. (laughs) I was just watching basketball playoffs, but the Spurs ain't even in it, so there's no excuse for that. Bowie, Weeknd, Spears, Tied, so I re-put out the poll, did it one more time, and David Bowie won by like four votes. After the second push, it was like, okay, we're going to vote for Bowie, and that's that. That's kind of what happened. I was sort of kind of excited about this, but sort of kind of like, eh. So David Bowie has been one of those dudes that you've always heard about, saw music videos, heard that he was a star, but never really knew much about his music. I know a couple things. I saw The Labyrinth as a kid. I didn't really like it. I thought it was weird. And just David Bowie's vibe isn't my vibe. So I know, obviously, as he's a Hall of Fame everything and has done everything that you can possibly do in music, and we're going to break that all down here in a second, I just wasn't a huge fan. But it wasn't a huge fan out of dislike or, you know, just not my vibe, so I don't care. Nothing like that. It was just I didn't know. I didn't listen. I didn't you know, look them up. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. And that's why I love doing this. Cause this gives me the opportunity and you the opportunity to learn about stuff that you didn't know. That's why we do this, the bring it back polls and listen to the music. So David was actually born David Robert Jones on January 8th, 1947 in Brixton, London. If you didn't know, he is from the UK. He died January 10th, 2016 in New York City. I actually remember that day. I was at a establishment in Oglesby and there was a couple people in there that uh, were huge David Bowie fans. And that was the most David Bowie music I'd ever listened to. And I sort of kind of paid attention, sort of kind of didn't. I was playing darts. I was playing pool. But that was like my first kind of exposure. And I remember that moment that he had passed away and we were talking about him and things like that. And I shared the same sentiment with them that I just did with you, that I knew who he was, just not my thing, and I didn't really listen to his music, paying attention, you know, stuff like that. Bowie attended Stockwell Infant School until he was six. He was known as a gifted, single-minded child, but he had deviant behavior. Heh, don't we all? He bounced around to different schools, family moved around a lot. He was a member of the choir at the Burnt Ash Junior School, and they said his voice was adequate. So nothing spectacular, you know, he can't do backflips with his voice. He's adequate. But when it came to playing the recorder, they said he is very advanced. Nine years old, he was dancing during music and movement classes, and the teacher said he is vividly artistic, and he has astonishing pose for a child. So he already had, like, mature dancing mannerisms and movements when he's nine years old. Music became bigger, more important to him when his father brought some 45s back to the house, including the teenagers, Fat Stomino, Elvis Presley, Little Richard, and he thought when he heard Tutti Frutti, 
the song by Little Richard that put Little Richard on top of the world. David Bowie said he thought he heard God. It's a pretty impressive compliment to uh, be compared to God. So Little Richard, hopefully, uh, you know, they had a convo. They met up and he told them that. But I mean, it's out there. I read it. So I'm sure he knew. Then Bowie went to Bromley Technical High School. While David Bowie's growing up, he actually had a half-brother, Terry Burns, who was 10 years older. So while David's 10, Terry's 20, you know, so on and so on. And he's very influential, even though Terry Burns had schizophrenia, he suffered from seizures, and he rotated between being at home in psychiatric wards. So he was in psych wards, then he'd come home, then he'd go back to psych wards, and David had to adjust and kind of learn how to deal with this. But Terry introduced Bowie to modern jazz, Buddhism, beat poetry, and occult. So he kind of helped expand his horizons and learn things. And as we'll find out, David Bowie was like a sponge. Just devoured absolutely everything that came his way. Including knuckle sandwiches. In 1962, Bowie and his friend George Underwood. If you know anything about music, George Underwood is very, very famous for creating album design, album art. And he was a musician himself. Underwood actually created... Most of Bowie's early albums, you know, the artwork that I would personally take out of the CD package and try to find a way to put it on my wall or hang somewhere. I did that with almost all my CDs, albums, all that stuff growing up. But Bowie and George Underwood actually got into a tussle over a girl. George punched Bowie in his left eye. The punch actually created some damage. Bowie experienced faulty depth perception and, I'm going to butcher this, anasoria, soria, anasoria, sorry, health field people, not my deal, but it permanently dilated his pupil. That's what that word means. So permanently dilated his pupil and he had depth perception issues after being punched in the eye by somebody he called a friend and they stay friends, like lifelong friends, got punched, seriously hurt his eye. It was a great story for me as I'm reading it. I'm like, wow, this is pretty wild. At age 15, Bowie joins his first band called the Conrads in 1962, which was a rock and roll jam band, pretty much. Then he left and joined the King Bees. Their first single, Liza Jane, was by Davy Jones and the King Bees. That's how it was published. He then left the King Bees and joined the Manish Boys. When he joined the Managed Boys, this was a quote, I used to dream of being their Mick Jagger. Well, it didn't last long because he left the Managed Boys to join the Lower Third. He was dissatisfied with Davey, or Davey, so D-A-V-Y, or D-A-V-I-E, and there was confusion in the 1960s because there was a Davey Jones on the popular band The Monkees. So he picked up a stage name, David Bowie. And Bowie became... David Bowie, because of the 19th century pioneer James Bowie and the knife that he popularized, you know, the Bowie knife. January 1966 was the very first single under the name David Bowie called Can't Help Thinking About Me. He then left the lower third, did two songs with a band called The Buzz. Then he joined the Riot Squad. Records were unreleased. So since he bounced around a bunch of bands, 
He was like, eh, you know, maybe I should do my own thing. And he does. In 1967, David Bowie released his first solo album named David Bowie. This was the first of 26 studio albums and 21 live albums in David Bowie's career. The album that we're going to discuss, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, was the 14th album of his career. For the most part, he's classified as art rock, glam rock, pop, electronic. He can play all kinds of instruments. Obviously, he uses his voice. He's a singer. can play the guitar, keyboards, saxophone, and harmonica. In 1969, Space Oddity won the Ivar Novella Special Award for Originality. Then he won the Saturn Award for Best Actor in The Man Who Fell to Earth. We will talk about his acting career a little bit later. Award-wise, Bowie won six Grammy Awards, four Brit Awards, two of them being the Brit Male Artist of the Year Award. In 1999, he was made the commander of the Order des Artes. Et des Lettres. I cannot speak French, even though my last name is Lachance. That is very French because he was named the commander of a French ship by the French government. Also in 1999, he became the honorary doctorate from Berkeley College of Music. So, some huge accomplishments that not everybody gets. But he also turned a couple of these down, including the royal honor of commander of the Order of the British Empire and knighthood. He said he did not want either one of these, and this was his quote. I would never have any intention of accepting anything like that. I seriously don't know what it's for. It's not what I spent my life working for. He wanted to make music and people to get behind it and feel it. He was not trying to be a knight, not trying to be the commander of the British Empire. Even though those things could sound cool, just not to him. Bowie sold 100 million albums worldwide. One of the best-selling artists of all time, five platinum albums, nine gold records. And in 2022, he was named the best-selling vinyl artist of the 21st century. That imagery, that artwork, him as a person, the music, all came together in vinyls. I have vinyls. I love them. I might try to find a David Bowie album if it doesn't cost me three million jelly beans. Of course, with Bring It Back, we break down the Rolling Stone magazine list. David Bowie has five albums on the list. Scary Monsters is the first that we've seen. So we're going to see him four more times on the polls. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996 and the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2005. And also the Science Fiction and Fantasy Hall of Fame in 2013. So three Hall of Fames to go with his five albums on a top 500 of all time list. 100 Million albums worldwide. It's insane. <laughs> it's just insane. He's absolutely everywhere. As I mentioned before, he was also an actor throughout the years. He had leading roles. 1976, The Man Who Fell to Earth, where he won the Saturn Award. 1978, Just a Gigolo. 1983, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. 1983, The Hunger. 1986, The Labyrinth. A lot of you know that movie. 1991, the Linguini Incident, and he had supporting role or cameo spots in The Last Temptation of Christ in 1988 and Zoolander in 2001. Personally, he married Mary Angela Barnett, who became known as Angie Bowie, on March 19, 1970. Angie called this a convenience, open marriage, 
and it was noted that it happened so she could get a work permit. They had a son, Duncan Bowie, or actually Duncan Jones, on May 30th, 1971. Duncan has went on to become a movie director, film producer, and screenwriter in UK movies, or for UK movies. David Bowie and Angie Bowie, or Barnett, got divorced February 8th, 1980, and after a gag order, yeah, a gag order was put on their divorce so nobody could talk smack about each other. But after it was over, Mary wrote Backstage Passes, Life on the Wild Side with David Bowie, which was a memoir of their crazy marriage. I kind of want to read it just to see what happened. I know it was the 1980s and, you know, stuff like that, but uh, awesome stories just don't die. And I will talk about it on here if I finish it. I will. I will. On April 24th, 1992, Bowie married Amon, who was a Somali-American model. I do know who she is. She was all over the place, especially during their marriage and the highlight of his career. Uh, Anytime you saw him on MTV or something like that, she was either sure to follow or they would make sure they put an image so you knew who his wife was all the time. I remember seeing her fairly often. They had a daughter, Alexandria Jones, on August 15th of 2000. They lived in New York, in London, and also had an apartment in Sydney, Australia. Just a special note, I saw this somewhere and I was like, man, I don't know where to put this in my spiel about David Bowie, but I want to put it in there. December 8th, 1980, John Lennon was assassinated. And Lennon and Bowie were actually pretty good friends, did a lot of music stuff together. They influenced each other, things like that. Well, according to an interview or a writing of some sort, Mark David Chapman, who shot John Lennon outside of an apartment in the UK, had Bowie as a target as well. So David Bowie was on a hit list. I don't know if you put that with your Grammys and you know other things, but um, yeah, he was on a hit list. Also on a list or many debates about his sexuality. Uh, In the 70s, I think it was 72, David Bowie in an interview had said that he was gay, even though he was you know, married and having kids and things like that, but said that he was gay. So he became a gay, like spokesperson, a gay role model for, you know, other uh, homosexual individuals. And then he gets married to another woman. So it's been a debate of what he really was, bisexual, homosexual, heterosexual that just pretended, you know, things like that. I'm not going any further. I have no opinion. And this isn't about a you know, sexuality and things like that. Just got to know everything about the person. But here, we care about the music, including this album, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Number 443 on the Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Albums of All Time list. 14th album made by David Bowie came out September 12th, 1980 under RCA Records. The album, 10 songs, 45 minutes and 37 seconds. It is a quick listen and a very, very interesting listen. We will get to my thoughts after we break it down. But compared to his previous albums, Scary Monsters, which I'll call it now, it's Scary Monsters, then it's got the parentheses, Super Creeps. We'll just say Scary Monsters. Keep it short and sweet. You know what we're talking about here. But compared to previous albums, Scary Monsters was a more commercial sound. Something that more people would divulge into than, you know, things that he made before. The recording process happened in February and April 1980, primarily at the Power Station in New York City. 
and other recordings, a few of them, happened at Good Earth Studios in London. The album is portrayed as rock, new wave, and post-punk. The Rolling Stone magazine had it 4 out of 5 stars when it was released. It peaked to number 1 on the UK charts and number 12 on the USA charts. And it was later called Bowie's Last Great Album. So even though he made you know mid-20 albums, 26 to be exact, the 14th is called his last greatest album. Sometimes you just keep going on making music because you love it, but it's not as catchy or not as appealing as it once was. I think that's what happened to Bowie. This album, the version that I listened to, was actually the remastered copy, which happened in 2017. So Scary Monsters remade, not remade, but made sound up to the, up to the times, kind of updated in 2017. The album did not go platinum in the U.S., but it did, however, in Australia, Canada, and the U.K., and it also went gold in France. The musicians on the album, David Bowie, of course, he sang vocals, synthesizers, mellotron, electric piano, the piano, the synth bass, and saxophone. Dennis Davis played the drums, George Murray the bass, Carlos Alomar lead and rhythm guitars. Chuck Hammer was guitar and synthesizer on two songs. Robert Fripp, guitar player on six songs. Roy Bitlin, piano on three songs. Andy Clark played the synthesizer on four songs. Pete Townsend, a name you might have heard of before, very, very legendary in the music biz, played guitar on one song. Tony Visconti, who was a partner of David Bowie's for a very long time, played acoustic guitar on two songs. And Lynn Matland, Chris Porter were the backup vocals. The album had four singles released. Ashes to Ashes, the first and more predominant one. Fashion, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, and Up the Hill Backwards. That's the breakdown. Here are my thoughts. Like I said, really didn't know anything about him. Knew it wasn't my vibe. So going into this when I was hoping the weekend would win, and honestly, I kind of wanted... Fiona Apple, or Britney Spears to win over him too. I mean, kind of more my age group, my generational gap, I guess. Or it is that generation. And I was fighting the generation gap with David Bowie. But honestly, it was not as bad as I thought. I listened to it actually like three or four times from front to back. Didn't skip anything. Uh, There was some that I didn't pay attention to as much. There was some that I was like, oh, this is so awful. And there were some like, Hey, this is cool. I actually added two songs to my playlist. So not great, not bad. I was really glad that I listened to it. Seriously. I want to know as much as possible about music. That's why I'm doing the segment. Cause I think it's great. And a lot of people have said it's great because they, they want to know too. You know, we don't think about these things to like, Hey, let's go check out this in a Google world that we can just flip to anything on the internet and find stuff out. There's so much out there, you know, we don't pay attention or we don't get attracted in certain directions. So looking up David Bowie and finding this stuff out, got punched in the eye in 26 albums, just studio albums. He had 21 live albums, man. He was just an icon of his time. So to go back and listen to his music and find things out about him, I feel like more cultured and more like up to terms in 2023 with, you know, somebody that was huge in the 70s and 80s. We are going to break down 
each song on the album and then rate them. We're going to do that right after we hear from our sponsor, Mendota Ford. Bring It Back is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. The staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associate, Jason Hintz, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five years old and has been with Mendota Ford for the last three years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for eight years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jingle. One of these days, I'm really going to have my keys right here and I'm going to do it with it. One of them, one of them, one of them. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. There are 10 tracks on Scary Monsters from 1980. Let's jump into this. The first one was called It's No Game Part 1. There's a Japanese or Chinese lady speaking. Her name is Michi Hirota. And obviously, I do not speak either Japanese or Chinese. I don't even know the difference. And that's kind of awful of me. But did not know what she was saying. I kind of understood why they fit her in there. And it was, it, it gelled with like the harmony of the music. Kind of 1980s rock, wanna go death metal. David Bowie is screaming, but it doesn't have the hard, you know, of death metal, but it is heavier than everything else on this album. And his voice sounds like he's either on speakerphone with his phone about 17 miles away or that he's in a tunnel. The thing that I really did like, though, was the rock riffs of the guitar. Man, 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 man. I think it was Robert Fripp. And this dude can jam, and he definitely did on this song. But it's just too much going on for me uh, to pay attention to the words, uh, except when he's screaming, and then at the very end, he says, shut up. So I was quiet, and I moved on to the next song. The next song, number two, Up the Hill Backwards. It was kind of like a 1970s, yay, hippie song. It was Bo Diddley inspired, which was awesome. Diddley had an album that we broke down in the... Rolling Stone magazine list as well. So it was cool to you know, know that he inspired David Bowie. He was an iconic, iconic guitar player and it carried over to David Bowie. But the song's pretty much saying, hey, you'll be all right. You know, things happen. You just got to keep moving. I think this had a lot to do with his marriage as it was dissolving. Um, it was pretty much to the end or over in 1980. Yeah, when this release, like the divorce is like officially final. So it was that time like, hey, I'm going up a hill backwards, but I'm all right with it. I'm going to be cool. Uh, one of the lines, nothing to do with you if one can grasp it. Pretty much saying it has nothing to do with you. I'm just trying to find what I need to. I'm going to grasp my life and take it over. That's pretty much what that's saying. At the 215 mark in the song, 
the rock, electric guitar, the drums. I mean, it's rocking out. <laughs> like I rewound, or I guess, I don't know if it's rewound because it's not a cassette player. I moved my hand on my phone on the little bar with the little circle. I moved it back to replay that over and over again. If that is called rewind, then I'm going to say rewind. But otherwise, I moved the song back so I could hear that like two or three times. I thought it was really cool. Track three, the title track, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. David Bowie sounds like a monster. Heavily synthesizers in here. They're everywhere. Uh, To me, it was about a girl. Loved her, chased her, obsessed with her, uh, going after her. Just the person that you turn into during love and being with people different than who you really are. And this song to me didn't age well at all. It sounds like 1978, 79, 80, and it's stuck there. Track number four, Ashes to Ashes, which was the first single and the biggest single. Again, he's singing in a weird voice. The piano has like a twang. It's kind of like a sort of like a Japanese sound to it, but not really. It's just like a normal piano push and then at the very end it's like it just sounds different in the song he mentions major tom is a junkie uh major tom was a character in 1969's space oddity again what uh david bowie won awards for and major tom was a character in war that kind of stuff and now he's saying he's a junkie he gets into drugs and doesn't doesn't know how to handle his life after doing something for so long, uh, you get the sorbid details and you're thinking about these things in your head and you turn to drugs and now you think it's helping you feel good and it might physically, even though it's killing you, but your life is at an all time low as you're doing this. And it's kind of, you know, makes sense, especially around that time, you know, drugs were rampant in the seventies and the eighties and he did have drug problems himself. So Major Tom, to me, was like David Bowie's you know, alter ego. That's, that's what I look at it as. Number five was fashion. It was funky. Kind of like an 80s funky, I'm not going to go uh, Rick James sort of, kind of, but just had that funk, that vibe of Motown, uh, the synthesized voice, the auto-tune in 2023 20, language. The guitar rift was awesome. It was just a really cool, different vibe of a song. Even the words, kind of just like, hey, UK, but I see things over there. Even though he doesn't say UK and USA. It's kind of like, hey, I see what we're doing here. I see what you're doing there. But don't worry, the goon squad is coming to get you. Or we're coming coming home or coming there. Something like that. Mentions the goon squad, which uh, I guess he was a goon. Thought he was a goon. He was going to take over the world, which I mean kind of did with his music even said in the song we're gonna bring a brand new talk a brand new dance you might not talk or dance like me do it if you don't i'm still gonna be here so it's kind of cool like hey we're bringing a new fashion six teenage wildlife sappy dracula sounding voice it was literally like a mummy or a Dracula from the 1960s was trying to sing the song. Not even 1960s. We're going to go 1860s, like Bam Stoker, <laughs> like that character. It was, I couldn't get past the voice. It was just, I understood what the song was about. You know, the weird time of being a kid. Um, why do you wish for tomorrow when 
you know, this is like one of the best times of your life and things are going to change and get harder and you got a lot of things to go through. Why do you not want to be in this time? I got the meaning of the song. I just couldn't get past the voice. Seriously, it was awful. Track seven, Scream Like a Baby. About the imprisonment, you know, for standing up for your rights or your beliefs. Just even though you're not shackled and you're not, you know, locked up and having to wear the jumpsuit. I mean, sometimes we just feel like you have to conform to society instead of doing what you want. And that's what this song was about. And I bet in the UK in the early 80s that that it was like that. There's a line that I wrote down and it kind of says everything that I just said. No athletic program, no discipline, no book. He just sat in the back seat swearing he'd seek revenge. But he jumped into the furnace singing old songs we loved. While he's saying that, it gets distorted and it sounds robotic like on purpose because they want you to conform. They don't want you to have thoughts or sound like that, which I really, really liked. Like the music played part of the song, like not just a harmony or a melody or a drum beat. Like it went with the words and the meaning behind the words. That was super cool to me. I really liked that. Number eight, Kingdom Come. Again, an annoying voice. I just couldn't get over the annoying voices and just trying to con- sound like a monster. And I know the album's called Scary Monsters, but is it a Halloween album? I don't think so. I just, I wasn't prepared for that, even though it said Scary Monsters. When I kept hearing these voices, I was just like, he could have did this differently or something. I, I don't know. Obviously, it worked for him. It just didn't work for me, especially in this song and a couple others. Actually, this song was all right. Um, The Teenage Wildlife was the worst one for sure in terms of the voice. But anyway, Kingdom Come, it's like he's just here. Don't know why. Just got to do what he's got to do. You know, I'm going to break rocks, cut hay, and live. So he's going to go to work, get paid, and do what he's got to do. Pretty much what that means. Track number nine, Because You're Young, starts off with a guitar. Then it leads into a synthesizer, then to a drum beat, and it is a great slow lead in that all three instruments combine together to form a, a kind of cool melody riff that you know carries on for the rest of the song. But we got the whiny Dracula voice back from Teenage Wildlife, and it's similar to the song. You're he's giving advice to youth, to teenagers. Uh, things are happening because you're young, and it's going to form who you are when you get older. Track 10, it's No Game, part two. There's no lead-in, musically, just starts in a normal voice, showing that he can sing and that he can talk and sing normally. There's no screaming. It's the complete opposite of part one. He's not screaming. There's no death metal feel, you know, anything like that. And it's a different side of life. Like, hey, it's not a game to live life, live it to the best that you can, kind of giving more advice, but in a way better way if you ask me i really like this song this is no secret at this point was my favorite song of the album and he literally says in the chorus and it's no game one line doesn't repeat it it's not a hook and it's no game strongly telling you life is no game live it to your best don't mess around and it's no game the album overall was okay it's okay In my mind, my listening abilities, my trying to divulge everything that I can. And, you know, it's 2023 now. It's from 1980. I was born in 85. So this is five years before I even took a breath. 
So, you know, you got that generation gap and things like that, but I try to be as well-cultured as possible to, you know, understand and to jump into that mode, you know, the time that it came out and things like that. So, you know, I know what I'm listening to. I think I do an all right job with that. And that's kind of why I put this album like in the middle. I mean, if we were doing stars, it would be like a five. Wasn't awful. Wasn't great. Two songs that I put on a playlist. One I will probably listen to a few times. And the other one, you know, I will skip over. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to listen to it every time it comes on. But I liked it enough to say, hey, I'll, I'll listen to this here and there. So we'll go through the album and I'll just tell you my rankings. I'm not going to explain anything else. I have done that in the past and it's like, man, you just spent 20 minutes talking about what you already said. We're not going to do that anymore. So track one, It's No Game Part 1. I gave a 10. Thought it was the worst song on the album. Maybe the death metal feel. Number two, Up the Hill Backwards. I put it six. Number three, Scary Monsters and Creep and Super Creeps. I ranked seventh. If you did not know, 10 is the worst, one is the best in my voting ranks. Number four, Ashes to Ashes, was number five. Number five, Fashion, I ranked number four. Number six, Teenage Wildlife, was number nine, the second to last song on this album, in my opinion. Seven was Scream Like a Baby, number two, just because I could relate and, again, the way the music reacted with the words. Number eight, Kingdom Come. I ranked third. I like that one as well. Number nine, Because You're Young. I ranked eighth. And number 10, It's No Game Part Two. I already told you, I ranked it number one. Thought it was the best song on the album. And if you notice, there's 10 songs. So when this came out on a vinyl, it was the first five were on side A and the second five were on side B. I would totally listen to side B if I got this album in 1980 way more than I would listen to side A. I thought the good songs, almost all of them were on the backside, except because you're young. But I think they just did that because of the Dracula sounding teenage wildlife vibe. You don't want to put all those songs together. But like I said, album was cool. I will not listen to the whole album again. There is a couple tracks, including It's No Game Part 2. I did put on the playlist. I will listen to that here and there. And the second one I put was Scream Like a Baby, uh, number seven, I put it on there. I'm not going to listen to it all the time, uh, but I will check it out from, from time to time. Thank you so much for voting for Bring It Back. It's always cool to have your involvement and to help me pick what to listen to, who to break down, things like that. Otherwise, I am going to listen to rap, R&B, hip hop, maybe some pop, depending on who it is. And I don't want to always listen to and know about the people that I already do. I like learning. Hopefully you're learning with me and thank you for taking the journey with me. We did this one a lot quicker than we've done ones in the past and we are going to get this vote out right after we post the episode that we're going to you know, edit and put out and disperse this awesome chat of David Bowie and of course the conversations with Chance and Trey Bloomhurst. But before we do that and before we do win-lose stat, let's hear from Surf Internet. Hello, Mendota, Ottawa, Amboy, Rock Falls, Sterling. Resolve to make stronger connections with Surf Fiber Internet. Right now, get two free Eero Wi-Fi routers with gig speed. And with all speed plans, you can add on a home phone for just $10 a month. 
Unlike the other guys, there's no contracts, hidden fees, or annual rate increases. Ever. Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Win, lose, stat. We're going to start March 21st, go to March 31st. When we come back next episode, we will be in April. Get caught up as fast as possible. Starting Tuesday, March 21st, on the baseball field, Oregon defeated Indian Creek 12-6 for Indian Creek. Drake Mickler was 3 of 4 with one run. Reese McRoberts was 2 of 4 with a double. Amboy defeated Durand Pecatonica 12-8, the first win of the season for Amboy. For the Clippers, Landon Welchel had four hits. Also having multiple hit games were Quinn Luffelman, Landon Monavon, and Tucker Lindenmeyer. Oh, and Jackson Rogers. Winning pitcher was Brody Christofferson. Four innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts. Softball field Amboy beat Duran Pecatonica 11-5, which was also the Lady Clippers' first win of the season. Pecatonica led 5-0 heading into the bottom of the fourth. Amboy scored two runs in the bottom of the fourth, one in the fifth, eight in the sixth. Edison Shaw had a single and a double. Ellie McLaughlin and Haley Stenzel had two singles each. The winning pitcher was Olivia Welchel, who had eight strikeouts, two walks, and two hits. St. Bede defeated Anawan 12-5. For St. Bede, Bella Pinter and Tessa DeGosh both hit home runs. It was gone. It was a bomb. Oregon 12, Indian Creek 10. Indian Creek scored five in the first, two in the second, one in the fourth, one in the sixth, and had a solo home run in the seventh. Oregon, two in the first, three in the second, fourth and four in the third, two in the fifth, and one in the sixth. So scoring all throughout the game. If you like scoring, this was the softball game to be at. For Indian Creek, Madison Bogle, two runs on two walks. Lauren Jordal, four runs, two hits, two walks. Emily Frazier, one run, two hits, two RBIs. Mahela Gonzalez, one run, two hits, four RBI. Avery Bowen, one run, three walks. Chelsea Hatfield, one home run, the solo home run in the seventh, one RBI, and a walk. Moving on to Wednesday, March 22nd, staying on the softball field, Sycamore defeated Indian Creek 11-1. For Indian Creek, Mahela Gonzalez, one hit, one run. Avery Bowen had two hits. Thursday, March 23rd, on the soccer field, girls soccer. Geneseo beat Dixon 9-0. Indian Creek beat Byron 4-2. For Indian Creek, Paige Fetich had two goals. Emma Turner and Izzy Turner had one goal each. The assist, two came from Emma Wilson and one came from Emma Turner. In the goal, Molly Fetich had 10 saves. Genoa Kingston 5, Harvard 0. The goals for the Lady Cogs, Jada Modesto had two goals. Ulyssa Fuentes had a goal. Madeline Swanson and Sam Went also scored. The baseball field, Plano 8, Hinkley Big Rock 6. Plano had six runs in the fourth inning to come away with the win. Nick Serio was 3 of 4 with two RBIs. Jason Phillips, 2 of 3 for three RBI. And Josh Stellwagen was 2 of 4. Matt Brule had a two-inning save to win the game for Plano. Gotta love the saves. Seriously. 
bring in a pitcher, high school, you don't think they're that good, but they just do enough or they throw heat and get you that win. It's very, very important. Amboy 8, Oregon 2 for Amboy. Landon Monavon was the winning pitcher. Six innings on the mound, six hits, two runs, seven Ks. Softball, Marquette 18, Peoria Notre Dame 3. Friday, March 24th on the baseball field. Indian Creek 12, Westminster Christian 2. For Indian Creek, Blake McRoberts was the winning pitcher. Six innings on the mound, two hits, two earned runs, 10 Ks. He also was a batter on at the plate. Not on the plate. If you're on the plate, you're going to get hit with the ball. At the plate, Blake McRoberts, two of three, one run, six RBIs, and a stolen base. Jeff Probst was one of four with three runs, RBI, and a stolen base. Softball, Plano 18, Westmont 6 in 5 innings. Plano had 13 hits. Bree Clark was 4-4 with 3 doubles. Alex Bishop had an in-the-park home run. Lindsey Cox, 2-3 with a triple. Maddie Leffridge, 5 stolen bases on 4 walks. She's got to be fast. Saturday, March 25th, track but indoors. The Illinois Top Times Indoor State Meet for the boys. Sterling had 11 medalists, including state champs, the 800 relay team. On the girls' side, St. Bede's Lily Bosnich was 8th in the 200, 12th in the 60-meter dash, while Anna Lopez was 2nd in the triple jump and 12th in the long jump. For Geneseo, Addison Pitschke, Sierra Kruger, Jade Flowers, and Phoebe Shoemaker were second in the 1600 relay, 4 minutes, 10.94 seconds. Also on Saturday, March 25th, track was the Girls Sterling Invite. Rock Falls had eight winners in the events. Baseball field, Byron 15, Serena 3. For Byron, Kai Aiken was 2 of 3 with 3 RBI. Also, same day, baseball field, Byron 12, Newark 8. For Byron, Braden Smith was 2 of 3, 2 runs, 2 RBIs. These games happened at SIUE in a tournament. And if you didn't know, the E stands for Edwardsville, but it's not really a school. The real SIU is in Carbondale, where <clears throat> graduated. I'm <laughs> just kidding. SIUE, great campus, great school. But being that we're the mother college, you got to talk a little bit of smack. Monday, March 27th, softball field. St. Bede with a 15-0 win over Hall. Ella Hermes, the no-hitter shutout. 15 Ks, two walks, five innings. That's a complete game in my book. Indian Creek 10, Aurora Christian 0 in six innings. For IC, Avery Bone, two runs, two hits, one RBI, two walks. Mahela Gonzalez was the winning pitcher. Ottawa lost to Oswego, 9-3. Morris beat Sandwich, 8-0. Ella Davis with a shutout win in the circle. Four hits, eight strikeouts. Marquette, 11. Princeton, 1. That was in six innings. And Burrow Valley beat Mendota, 13-8. Moving to the baseball field. Moving to the baseball field. Newman, 11. Kiwani, 1. For Newman. Brendan Tunick gets the win. On the mound, throws 11 strikeouts. Then he gets to the plate, three runs, three RBIs, and a home run. 
nah, it's a home run, you know, whatever, everybody does it. But it's his third in three games. Very, very impressive. Serena, 11, Woodland, 0. For Serena, Bo Rakes, complete game shutout. 7Ks, 2 walks, 2 hits. Carson Baker and Todd Smith had 3 hits apiece for Serena. Indian Creek fell to Aurora Christian, 16-1. to Jeff Probst was 1-1 one of one with a triple and a stolen base. DeKalb lost to Freeport, 8-0. Sycamore, 15, Harlem, 0. Plano, 6, Samanac, 3. Ottawa suffered a 12-2 loss. LaSalle, Peru beat Sterling, 16-1. Rock Falls beat Erie Prophetstown, 8-3. And Hall defeated St. Bede, 6-1. Moving to the track, Seneca's Evelyn O'Connor breaks Seneca's 1600 record. But not only did she break the record, she broke it and was held by her coach and teacher, Eva Bruno. So that's got to be a special moment. The person that held the record right there, right next to you, telling you how to beat records and even her own. Tuesday, March 28th, baseball field, Amboy 15, Newark 14, and a thriller. Newark led 7-0, then 13-4, moving into the bottom of the sixth. Amboy sent 16 batters and scored 11 runs in the sixth to take a 15-13 lead. Newark scored one more in the seventh, but could not get the W, and Amboy held on strong. In relief, Landon Monavon picked up the win. At SIUE, still Byron 6, Greenville 1 for Byron Braden Smith. Pitched 5.2 innings, 14 Ks, one run allowed. Byron then lost to Marquette Catholic, 13-8. Caden Considine was 3-3 with two RBIs, and Jeremiah Polson 2-3 with two RBI. Marquette defeated Dwight, 13-0 in five innings. The Crusaders scored six in the fourth and seven in the fifth. Hall defeated Ottawa, 19-3. Hall's winning pitcher was Joel Schrader. For Ottawa, Connor Price went two of three. Peyton Knoll was the losing pitcher, two earned runs, and four Ks. Putnam County defeated Midland, eight to seven. Sterling knocked off Rock Falls, 11 to five. For the Golden Warriors, Garrett Polson had 14 Ks. Drew Nettleson for RBI. Seneca defeated Woodland, 13 to four. Seneca scored seven runs in the top of the seventh. For the Fighting Irish, Kelvin Merhofer was the winning pitcher. And for Woodland, Carter Ewing had one stolen base, one hit, one run, and one RBI. Geneseo recorded a 14-2 win. DeKal beat Dixon. Streeter, 14. Lyle, 3 in five innings. For Streeter, Landon Moontz was the winning pitcher. El Paso Gridley knocked off St. Bede, 4-1. Girls Soccer, Streeter, 2 Rochelle won. Also during the week, Streeter defeated Morris 3-1. The goals for Streeter against Morris, Jessa Putes, Bridget McGurk, and Anna Russo. Princeton 7, IVC 0. Indian Creek 4, Winnebago 2. The Indian Creek goals, Zoe Beach made a penalty kick. Emma Wilson had 1 and Emma Turner scored 2. Geneseo 8, Galesburg 1. On the softball field, Marquette 13, Dwight 3, Seneca 12, Woodland 2 in 5 innings. For the Lady Fighting Irish, Tessa Kroll was the winning pitcher, and Audrey McNabb had 3 hits and 2 RBI. 
DeKalb lost to Willowbrook, 7-6. Caneland defeated Houston Academy, 4-3. Sterling, 14. Moline, 7. Sterling had 16 hits in the contest. Katie Taylor and Lauren Jacobs had three hits each. Taylor and Ellie Lee had home runs. Boys Tennis, Ottawa 4, Morris 1. Moving to Wednesday, March 29th on the baseball field. Amboy 15, Hinkley Big Rock 0 in four innings. Amboy scored 11 runs in the second inning on 15 hitters. Sent 15 different people to the plate. Marquette 10, Rock Island Ullman 0. For Marquette, Logan Nelson had three hits. Ottawa 7, Rock Island 6. For Ottawa, Peyton Knoll was 3 of 4. Brandon Aguirre, 2 of 4 with two RBIs. Softball, Seneca 13, Serena 1 in five innings. And LaSalle Peru 11, Streeter 1. Soccer field, Morris and Juliet Catholic played to a nil-nil tie. Thursday, March 30th, baseball field, Putnam County lost to Christian Brothers College Prep out of Missouri 3-0 in the opening round of a tournament in Memphis. Andrew Pishka hit a double and a triple. LaSalle Prue beat Dunlop 3-0 for the Cavaliers. Mason Lynch, three hits, 14 Ks, one walk, shutout win on the mound. Seneca, three, Woodland, zero. For the Fighting Irish, Paxton... For the Fighting Irish, Paxton Gertz and Aiden Vilcek combined for the no-hitter. Paxton Gertz struck out 10 in five innings on the mound. St. Bede 7, Hall 6 just fell short. St. Bede holding strong. Ottawa 4-3 win. Mendota 12, Burrow Valley 9. For the Trojans, Justin Randolph had three doubles. Isaiah Nanez had two singles. Girls soccer Streeter fell to Hersher 8-0. On the softball field, LaSalle Peru 14, Morton 3. For LaSalle Peru freshman Taylor Viscogni, the complete game, the W, 5 hits, 8 Ks during her first start. First varsity start as a freshman gets a 14-3 complete game W. That's the way to start a career. Marquette 11, Dwight 1. Seneca 2, Woodland 0. For Seneca, Audrey McNabb had a solo home run. DeKalb beat East Aurora 21 to nothing. The Lady Barb's Sydney Miles had a grand slam. Burrow Valley 8, Mendota 3, and for Mendota, Zoe Hansen had two singles. That is win lose stat. We are caught up through March and we will break into April. Get that caught up before we hit up playoffs, which are right around the corner. Believe it or not, sunny, beautiful weather is just around the corner. I'm starting to not believe it more than believe, but it's got to come eventually, right? But anyway, this means you'll want your lawn looking just as good as the sun rays feel. Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping is the definition of lawn beautification. The company offers tree removal, lawn care, stump grinding, and spring and fall cleanup to residential and commercial customers. Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping is fully insured and offers a senior citizen discount. Call 815-878-7504 for a free estimate from Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping. And I don't know, if I'm working on the yard or watching somebody else do it, I'm going to get hungry. 
like super hungry. Coming soon to Little Joe's Gaming Cafe is a kitchen serving a variety of good eats. Go to Little Joe's located at 713 Illinois Ave in Mendota or call 815-538-4900 for more information. That looks like a great place to close the intro. Got through, bring it back. David Bowie won the poll. We broke down scary monsters and super creeps. Win-lose stat, catching out all the grand slams, home runs, strikeouts, record-breaking 1600s. Whew. A lot going on in the area all the time. So great to be in the Illinois Valley and witnessing, watching, covering, talking about everything that these awesome athletes and coaches are doing. Well, we're going to be back real soon with another episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We're right around the end game. The the school year is just about over. Graduations are coming in like two, three weeks for every school in the area. So we got some sports to talk about, some playoffs. I know I'm going to be calling some playoff baseball games for WLPO through Star Rock Media, like I always do every spring. It's a great time. We're going to have these podcasts coming at you fast and furious. Until next time, peace. This guest was a long time coming. We've honestly been talking about this pretty much since I started Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We've known each other for a really, really, really long time. Does a podcast himself with his friends, typical Chicago fans. Of course, I am talking about Chance Bloomers. My guy, how's it going? Brandon, I'm doing very well, man. Life is life is really good right now. I can't complain. And we will get to a lot of that. But I, when we're doing the intro here, and I'm like, man, we've really been talking about this for over two years about oh, being yeah. on each other's shows. Oh, for sure. It's been a long time coming, man. I love the concept you got. And, you know, like you said, it's, it was, as soon as you dropped the idea when I had seen you put it on social media, I was like, that's. try to check you out as much as possible you guys are funny that's that's what i like (laughs) you do yell over each other at times but it's a lot comedic and like it's funny when i'm listening to it i'm like man i can picture chance saying this i can picture what's going on right now oh and it helps that you know i'm doing it with my cousin one and a buddy of ours and it's it started off and it still is it's just a place for us to vent about chicago sports Sports in, in the country, it doesn't matter, pro, college, it's just a place for us to vent and talk about what we're seeing, so we, we, we enjoy having fun with it, not take ourselves too seriously on that. Definitely, and the cousin is Zach, right? Yep, that's my cousin Zach Lilia, he had an idea, man, we're 2018, it's over four years ago, and he had put it on Twitter or something about wanting to start something up, and I had even just mentioned, I was like, well, if you, know, if you need help like promoting stuff or whatever, he's like, why don't you just do it with me? And I was like, all right, sounds good. And we recorded our first episode in my aunt and uncle's living room at like 1130 on like a random January night. It's just kind of hopped off ever since then. So. And then the friend we're talking about, I know I've seen a couple different people on there. Are we talking about P. Goy? Oh, man, we've got P. Goy. We've got uh, our buddy John Game has been on there before. Uh, and then we, our, our new staple is a buddy of ours we met just kind of through the social media world, Matt Schoolfield. Uh, he's originally from Sandwich. Similar-minded guy to us. So just kind of, you know, similar minds just complaining and, and you know, having fun with, with sports. 
And Pete Goy, we're talking about Patrick Goy, who is also a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We've had him on here before. Absolutely. Another guy, you know, despite the fact he's a Vikings fan, we'll, we'll still keep him around, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll let that slide. <laughs> Reason I reached out, like, hey, we officially got to do this. Of course, talk about pods and stuff like that, but you got a new job. You are the head coach of the boys' basketball team in Lamoille. I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. What's going on in your head taking this position? Well, for, I appreciate that, man. It's, uh, you know, kind of one of those things where I, I still don't know if I've had the time to process it all yet. It happened very quickly. Um, but I'm ecstatic. I'm pumped to get things going um, and kind of following the footsteps of, of my dad and you know, family of teachers and coaches and in a great town too, just taking the next step in my career. We're going to get back to this, but this seems like a great transition to make this conversation. Your dad was my basketball coach and biology teacher. I made sure he knew that <laughs> at a trivia night a couple Mondays ago at Rosati's. There was this, I think it was round three. And there was questions about Grand Theft Auto. There was questions about the card game Hearts. There was a question about something else that I should know, just me and my personality and things that I enjoy. I got all of those wrong, but I got a question right about Parasites. That's awesome. I'm I'm sure he loved that. I looked at your dad and I was like, this is all because of you, coaches. You're the only reason that I would know any of this. That's awesome, man. Yeah, he was my coach, and you helped rebound for us during practices. So I have legitimately known you since, what did we say, since you were 9 or 10? Yeah, we moved uh, to Mendota on, uh, like, Christmas week of 99, and our dad was uh, teaching and coaching here. So, yeah, probably known you over 20, well over 20 years now. So I remember those days, of, even at the old high school gym on those side courts, yeah, I think we even got to a point, I think after practice, me and Trey tried to play you two-on-one because I was probably 10 or 11, so Trey was 6 or 7. And I remember those teams. Yeah, those were some great memories, rebounding for all you guys, and, you know, sitting on the bench and bus rides, all that good stuff. And I remember the two-on-one games, and I'm like, if I lose to these two little kids that are the coach's kids, I'm going to be the laughing stock of the world, not just Mendota High School, the world. So no offense, but I went hard against you guys. I had to. I respect that. You can't take that risk of, like you said, of people knowing that you lost to two little kids. you gotta, you got to go 100% when you have the opportunity. I, I don't fault you there at all. But then I come back and I'm working for the News Tribune sports writer and I see your brother, his junior and senior year, and I'm like, this is Trey? Like, this is who Trey is? What is he, like 6'3 and just a bona fide athlete? Yeah, he uh, he must have got the nice part of our genes that had height because uh, it kind of missed me a little bit. I'm not short, but I'm also not 6'4 like he is. So, uh, yeah, he's a little bit different to me in that aspect. But, yeah, it's... Uh, that was, that was a cool time to be around the Mendota High School program when they were having their success there his junior and senior year. Yeah, won a regional, which was the first time, and I believe at that time, like 10 or so years. Uh, yeah, they were probably close to 50, because I think the last one would have been like 98 or 99, um, our first like year or two here. So yeah, it's been a while. That was awesome. I'll never forget that day in Rock Falls, getting to see that. So he might have got the physical, the athletic genes, but... Like you said, you're coaching, following your father's footsteps in that matter. I mean, you've been doing it a long time. 
you've been kind of yeah. all over the all over the place in the Illinois Valley. It started with my brother. Um, he was doing like this travel league over. I want to say they played in like Sandwich and Plano. And my uncle uh, Zach's dad was coaching the team, and you know he let me kind of like sit on the bench and help him out, and you know be his you know assistant. I was probably sixteen at the time. And it's kind of funny, I was uh, talking to someone about this earlier, and when I was like 15 and 16, I did not want to be a teacher or coach, so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I wanted to teach, you know, and coach from a very young age, I did not want to go into teaching and coaching, and then my senior year, Jan Thompson came in uh, and was our head coach my senior year there uh, at Mendota, and him and my dad sat me down after practice one day, and they said, listen, Mike, you know, I, I came off the bench behind Brandon Smith, and played more minutes than I had expected to. He said, you do a lot of coaching, you know, standing on the sidelines and in practice with our younger, you only had, I think, eight varsity guys. And they said, you know, you do a lot of coaching with the younger guys out here. Maybe that's something to think about, you know, getting into teaching and coaching. I was like, I never really thought about it, you know, but I'll give it a shot and kind of took off uh, ever since then. And I feel like I've been doing it almost nonstop uh, since 2008. Well, I can say you're pretty good at it. I've actually seen you firsthand this year, my first year as an <laughs> official. I called more St. Bede freshman games than any other team that I I called. And I was like, man, this dude's coaching and I'm officiating. Whoever would have thought this was going to happen in the same courts in 2022? Oh, for uh, 20 years in the making, we walk into Ottawa's gym there in uh was that early December. And I see you walk, I'm like, what are you doing here? And of course, I should have known you had to officiating shirt on it was like you said i think you had us more than any other team and i was thinking i think i might add we might add you as an official more than any other particular official anybody specifically this year too i know there was one week or weekend i had you like a wednesday and a friday or a thursday and a saturday something like that yep yep no man that was cool and, and i will say like you know you even said that that first game you're like this was my first high school game and you know, from there to I think we had you pretty close to the end of the season. You, you improved a lot. We need more, you know, guys like that that want to get into it. And obviously everybody knows about the issue with getting officials for games. And, you know, it's it's much appreciated from, from the coaching aspect to see, you know, younger guys like yourself getting into it and wanting to be a part of it. So that was that was really cool to see, man. I applaud you for that. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you calling me younger at 36. Thank you, because everybody else calls me old. Hey, no, no, no. 36 is. I'm 31 right now, so 36 is. It, I can't. I can't go off calling you old because that's gonna be me in a couple years. So I, I know what's coming down. So <laughs> definitely. What was also cool about your team is you had Caden Nauman on the team, and I was just coaching with his father at IVCC for the last two years. So it was kind of. It was just a lot of little pieces in this in this area, and I'm like, man, this is a really small world. Oh, for sure, for sure. That was a that was a great group I had this year, and Caden was one of the many pieces of that. So it is funny how all those like interconnectings uh, that were going on in one you know one gym on a Tuesday night in the middle of January that no one would think about. How many years did you spend with the St. Bede freshman team? So this uh, past season was my sixth year out at uh, St. Bede. So I had been there since I started teaching in LaSalle in 2016. Gotcha. And what class or what subject are you teaching at St. Bede? Uh, so I, I didn't teach the same. I taught at LaSalle Lincoln. I still teach there. So I would, um, I've been there since 2016. I teach sixth and seventh grade social studies. 
uh, there at Lincoln. And then um, I actually share a wall uh, with the varsity coach out at St. Pete, Brian Hansen. Um, and he's known my dad forever. Uh, so when I got hired at Lincoln, he needed a freshman coach, you know, invited me to join up. And I've been out there, you know, teaching at Lincoln and driving out to St. Bede every day in the winter since since 16. So that was a, a really, really cool way that that ended up working out. Yeah, definitely. I got another little weird coincidence here. So Brian's dad, Willie Hansen, was a driver's ed teacher at Hananiga in Rockton. He taught my mother how to drive because she graduated from Hananiga. Man, I think we, we might have found a, a way to title this episode. It's got to be something with interconnecting webs or something like that. <laughs> no, it's all crazy. It's all that crazy. is why Willie's a great guy going into the uh, Illinois, right, the News Tribune Sports Hall of Fame this year, right? Yeah, I actually wrote the, the write-up for him, so I got to speak with him, and then I let him know, like, hey, my mom went to Hananiga, and he's like, yeah, I taught her. I don't really remember her, <laughs> but the name kind of sticks out, and I was like, perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, we got a chance, and I think it was on social media, but Willie sat uh, on the end of our bench uh, when we were playing at Princeton this year. And obviously, I've known Willie from, you know, our time in Mendota and, and out at the golf course and being around Brian. But to sit on the bench with Brian coaching, Willie two seats down from me um, in a big game, you know, St. Bede versus Princeton. Even I felt the specialness that went into that moment. That was a really cool uh moment of my coaching career I'll, I'll definitely remember definitely it's kind of crazy how it all filters around basketball you me your oh, dad obviously brian willie everybody i mean we can sit here and list a million names it's all because of basketball absolutely it's funny how a, a simple game invented in a ymca has brought you know so many people together and now the simple game brings you to lamoyal i mean what was it behind the job opening, where you're at in your career, that you're like, hey, let's make this move. This is your first head coaching job of a varsity squad. Why Lamoille? Why right now? You know, it was a couple of weeks before spring break, and my mother had seen that Lamoille had an opening for their varsity boys program. And obviously, you know, I've been coaching kind of been all over. Um, I started off at IV coaching with Pat Chino, um with the women's program there. Bounced up to Northern Illinois. Um, I was the head manager for the women's team there for three years. Graduate assistant at Rockford for a year up there. And then I was at Earlville for two years after that, coaching junior high ball you know, over to St. Bede. And I've always you know, said once I got into into coaching at their, my freshman year of college that I always wanted to be a head coach. You know, I'd seen my dad do it um, and been around the game for, for my whole life, essentially. Well, I can't express enough how much I love my time out at St. Pete, coaching with Brian and all those guys. and Working with that administration there was truly some of the best times I've ever had coaching. You know, it's just one of those things you start, you're like, well, hey, you know, like, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring and, you know, see what happens. And living near Lamoille for the last 20-ish years, I love, love small towns, man. You get that small town community, that small town camaraderie going get the community back into things that's that's so fun some of the best memories are at small gyms and um you know those those smaller communities and um you know thought it was time to throw my hat in the ring and i actually know a couple of the boys that play there they play for played for me in my travel league that i team that i run and just i remember that watching them last year when you know we played them from st Pete and just hard-working kids man and you gotta you gotta love that blue collar that that tough gritty you know, guys that'll go to work, and it was it, as sad as it was to end my time at St. Bede, taking the 
next step and Brian was very, very happy for me and administration there was very understanding and wished me nothing but the best. And it was just you know, time to take that next step in my career. So it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. So did you and Brian already schedule Lamoille versus St. Bede this season? I think it's on the calendar. Um, I can't. I, I can't wait for that. And obviously, all those those guys that are still playing there uh, would have all played for me at some point. So you know, I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to that one. And uh, that'll be you know, that'll be tough to see those guys, but you know, it's it, it's for a good reason. You're saying how you love small towns. Small town basketball can be tricky sometimes. Of course, you'll get those classes that everybody gels together they've been playing the sport together for you know forever since they first started playing basketball and then you have those classes that they don't click and nobody's really a basketball player they might go to a different sport or something like that are you ready for those intricacies of small town basketball absolutely man and i think any of the coaches you've talked to on here obviously you've had brian you've talked to jim shervaney and you know coach medina at lp all the coaches you've had I know personally, we don't get into the game, you know, for our win-loss record. And, you know, to have the opportunity to, you know, make an impact on kids' lives and you know, make that make them want to come to the gym and work at something, that's going to take them farther than any sport can. And, you know, being able to build those relationships and teach them hard work and concepts of, you know, all the stuff that goes into playing a sport team building and, you know, trusting one another and, um, you know, it's, it's obviously always a challenge in whatever sport you coach, but I think that makes that's what makes it all worth it is that, that challenging aspect of it. If it was easy, you know, it, it wouldn't be as fun. And everybody would be trying to do it. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's it's not the isn't the easiest job in the world, but, man, if you, you have a passion for it, like a lot of the other coaches in this area, you know, seem to have, it's it, it makes it all worth it when you see those kids succeed and, you know, on the court, on the field, whatever, that success is obviously, you know, fantastic. That's what we all want. But, you know, I, I know from you know, watching my dad do it for years, it's it's the kids that come up to him, uh, you know, when they're grown up and have kids and families and, and to see the impact that he made on someone that, you know, you truly get a sense of, you know, what you're, you're doing in those kids' lives. I know your dad is well aware of this. Your dad was that person for me, no doubt. I've told him many times. Your guys' relationship, and I've heard you talk about that, you know, in our conversations. And obviously, we all want to go out and win games, and we all want to put banners on the wall. That's that's the goal on the court. Uh, but you know, like I said, to be able to to do something for somebody else's, you know, teachers and coaches all around the area um, would say that that's what that's what it's truly all about. He even gave me my first. Uh set of golf clubs. I mean, they were from Fred Flintstone's time, but hey, they worked. Hey, man, I, I probably uh, fall in that same category. So I, I, you truly see when, you know, people have that sense of, like, uh, I, I don't even know the best way to put it into, like, words, but, like, the ability to want to better other people, and that's, that's most certainly rubbed off from anything I've gotten from him and all the other coaches I've been lucky enough to be around. And I've seen it, like I said, I've seen it in action, not only just when I was officiating and you were coaching, but been around St. B program and pretty much everywhere you've been and watching you interact and stuff. So I see it, too. I mean, you're right there talking to the kids. You kind of get stern with them and you'll raise your voice. But at the same time, you can tell that they know, like, hey, he's being a coach. He's just trying to help us. You, you could see that interaction. 
For sure, man. And, and people, you know, that have seen me coach, you know, I'm, I'm loud. I'm just a naturally loud person. But you know what? If it, you know, you got to you know, show them, you know, that you're there and if you care that you're on them. And, uh, but also at the same time, my dad always, you know, told me a great thing. You know, if you're ever going to get on a kid for something, you got to find two positives. And that's something I try to keep in my mind. Like, I might get it. I tell my guys this all the time. I might, I'm going to get on you for stuff. I'm going to get on you for things. That's that's just who I am as a coach. But the second that you do that thing right, and the second that, you know, that concept starts to click and I see your improvement, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. And that's absolutely something I take from my dad. I'm excited for you at Lamoille. I mean, they've had a couple of good coaches in there. They've had, you know, kind of years where it seems like every year is a revolving door. I think you coming in, I mean, like you said, you're from here. You're right around the corner from Lamoille. And it's a good environment for you. You like the small-town basketball, small-town living. I think it's going to be a good connection with you and Lamoille. I really think that this is probably a really solid match for you and the school. I appreciate that, man. That's kind of the vibe I've been getting. I got to meet uh, the team last week, meet the boys, uh, to kind of introduce myself. And like I said, I remember watching her playing against them last year when I was sitting on the bench with the St. Pete varsity team. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I really am. I'm very, very thankful to the administration for taking their chance on me and just ready to get in and get to work and, and see what we can do. So you're teaching in LaSalle. Are you still going to be teaching in LaSalle? You're not going to be teaching in Lamoille? Yep, I'm going to be still teaching LaSalle. I also coach the 7th grade girls basketball team there, um, and I am also the athletic director uh, at LaSalle Lincoln. So I'll be still teaching there. I think it's like 17 minutes, maybe 18 minutes from LaSalle to Lamoille, and then obviously it's maybe 12 minutes back to my house. Uh, I live in, in Mendota, so uh, making that, that trip uh, hopefully every single day from November to hopefully uh, early March. You have to put the state weekends in there, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Got those on the calendar already. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, Chance, Chance Boomers, new head coach, boys basketball program in Lamoille. Thanks for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Like I said, this was a long time coming. I'm glad we made this happen. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Basketball season has been pretty amazing. All throughout the whole year, all the teams that we cover have been doing their thing. Our guest today, first year head coach of Varsity Boys Basketball at Depew, Trey Bloomers. Known you for a long time. It's good to have you on the podcast as like a a guest. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be on. Of course. I mean, uh, my first varsity game or second varsity game as an official was you and your brother. Uh, that was very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, my apologies for anything during that game. I can't imagine that would have been too fun, but it's always a good one to get into. <laughs> yeah, what it's, what's cool about it is, even if, you know, we're all competitive, and you know coaches are competitive. I know you as a basketball player. I know you as a kid. Same thing with Chance. So when we got to that level and, like, things were getting a little heated, you know, it's basketball, you, you do your thing and not really take that seriously. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it's just all the competitive fire. There, anything you can do to get the win, just wanting to win, especially when it's against your brother, edges it up a little bit. Definitely, definitely. I know you guys played a game against each other before that, and of course we're talking about Chance Bloomers. He's the head coach at Lamoille High School. So getting a chance to play him twice in the same season, your very first season, as a head coach, that had to be cool. Actually, we ended up playing them four 
times. Um, four times? Yeah, so the first game, the first home game, which was December 9th, that was the conference game. And then we got into the Lamoille Christmas tournament, so we played them for a second time. And then, of course, when the Little Ten Conference rankings came out, we ended up drawing each other for the first round of that. And then we had already scheduled a home game at Depew for later in the year. So we ended up playing each other four times this year. <laughs> wow. Wow. What was the overall record between those games? We ended up going one and three. He ended up taking the season series this year. But, I mean, they were all very competitive, great games. Uh, two very close teams, talent-wise, depth-wise, everything like that. He got the edge this year, but they were all great games, which I anticipate to be that way for a long time. How was your first season? I mean, you've coached before. You've been around basketball a very long time. Graduated from Mendota, went and played at Rockford University. You know, having that coaching experience now, how was that side of it? Honestly, everything that I hoped and dreamed it would be. When you look at our record, I think we finished 6-22. A lot of people might think he kind of struggling through the year just trying to get through it, but um, it wasn't like that at all. The, the kids were amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better group for my first year. The improvement from the first day of camp in the summer until when we only lost to Midland by 19 and we had a chance to cut it to six going into half for the regional game. I mean, the improvement and the progress was just immeasurable. It was incredible to see from the players. And I mean, they came into practice every single day looking to get better. And the other nice thing about that group was they actually kind of got more upset if I talked about canceling a practice than if I talked about having practice on an off day. So the, the group made it great and just the overall atmosphere of, you know, just coaching varsity basketball. And to make it a family thing, again, you had your dad there a little bit too, right? Yeah, he was a um, volunteer coach for both Chance and I's team. So it was just a great dynamic. I mean, obviously everything that we both learned from about basketball came from him. So just to have them there is more of a reassurance and sharing ideas off of, bouncing things around. He's obviously been around basketball. He turned 60 this year, so he's been around it his whole life, and his wisdom and knowledge is immeasurable as well. So just have him there, it's a lot of fun, and it's great to know that he's there. And even my brother, you know, having him there, you know, we still share ideas. We still talk about our teams as if we don't play each other. But just a great dynamic. Do you and Chance use that against each other in games that you play against each other? No, not necessarily. When we do play each other, my dad is very neutral. He sits in the middle. He doesn't help coach. And he really doesn't go to practice the week prior to us playing each other. We actually don't really – we talk before the games, my brother and I. We talk after – but, you know, during games, it's kind of just another game. Kind of forget he's there a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. And for those that don't know, your dad being Brian Bloomers, a longtime coach and teacher in Mendota, retired last year or the year before? The year before, when COVID hit, so 2020, that was his last couple months of teaching. Gotcha, gotcha. And he was my basketball coach in high school, and that's where I met you guys. 
Yep, and the Malden Musketeers all-time leading scorer. Oh, yeah, we can't forget about that, about Coach Boone. I think he'd be mad at me if I forgot to mention that part. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And, I mean, you can tell your whole family has always been very intertwined in sports. So when you got the opportunity to coach, was it kind of just like, hey, a shoe-in, like that's what you wanted to do? When my college playing career ended after my fifth year of college, and I knew I had a chance to go play overseas, but wasn't something I was necessarily interested in, especially I couldn't go through another rehab with all my injuries. So that's when I decided I was going to go teach and coach. And right away, I got a job at a small school in Stewart, and I helped coach a travel basketball team in Rochelle, which I had an absolute blast doing. The next two years, I, ta- I coached um, eighth grade basketball at Northbrook, which is another great experience. Last year, I went to Depew. I coached the middle school teams at both 7th and 8th grade, one conference. Another great experience, and then they asked if I'd be interested in taking over varsity, which was losing four out of their five starters because they were seniors. They were losing their 1,000-point scorer, Andres Moreno. Very young group with only one senior and three juniors, and I didn't even really hesitate. Once they asked me, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm I'm all in. Let's go at it. And this isn't the only thing you do for Depew. Oh, no. um, Fall, I do high school golf and middle school volleyball at the same time, which gets pretty complicated. And then I go into, in about October is when Depew's middle school basketball starts. And so I do that. And then midway through November, that starts to overlap with high school. Middle school basketball finishes mid-December. I got high school basketball that goes to the end of February. And then in about a week or so, I'm the assistant track coach. So I got my plate plenty full over there at Depew. So let me reword that. You do absolutely nothing at Depew. Yeah, I I just kind of coast by, stay in my office. (laughs) I saw you volleyball, and then I think I refereed a couple of your 7th and 8th grade games, and then, of course, your your varsity games. So me and you kept running into each other constantly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much you ref any sport, I'm sure you'll see me out there one way or the other. By saying that, I mean, you had the 7th and 8th grade team there. I mean, there was a couple kids on that team that will probably make a good fit for your varsity squad. Yeah, so we won the 8th grade tournament two years in a row and I think we have a very good chance of winning it again next year so that'll be three years in a row but the biggest problem I have is keeping those kids at Depew I mean some of my best athletes from those classes you know they're either going to Spring Valley or Hall or LP just because there's more options with football you know bigger programs so that's been one of the big things we're trying to tackle over there is how to get these kids to stay um, I'm hoping my influence and talking to them is enough, but, you know, it's hard for a kid like uh, one of my eighth graders, he's going to St. Bede to play football, and it's it's hard for me to say anything to him. You know, that's his passion, that's his love, and I don't want to take that away from him. I completely understand his decision, but he's another one. It'd just be great to have him at Depew, and I couldn't imagine how much he could excel there. There's always a 2020, you know, double-edged sword. I mean, you got the pluses and minuses, and being a small school like Depew, 
I mean, uh, there's other bigger schools in the area that offer those things, so I can understand where that would be a giant issue. My um, administration is very good. She's very supportive. So we've been working together a lot, just trying to build up our programs, build up the culture, you know, finding creative ways to get kids to, you know, want to stay, to take pride in their hometown that they grew up in and want to stay in regional sectionals, whatever it is, for the few. My big goal right now is, you know, just trying to build a program with a culture that kids are excited to get into and they don't really think about, hey, let's go to Hall or let's go to LP because they have better programs. I want them to be excited and be ready to get into the Depew program, you know? Definitely. And when Depew sports are good, the fans come out. Like, I've seen that gym in Depew packed many times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've talked to Gilbert Moreno, who's the girls' coach, Jason Hayes, who's my assistant, you know, some of the people that have been there a while. And they always say, you know, if you put out good programs, you put out winning programs, people will show up. And, you know, that's the goal right now. That's what I continue to tell my kids. I'm like, you know, you got to support all the other programs. And then you got to put something out on the court that makes these people want to come watch and want to keep supporting you. So that's definitely the goal right now. I remember a few years ago, I was running a tad late. I was going from one assignment, and then I had the uh, a Depew game. I do not remember who they were playing. I know it was not the playoffs yet. It was a regular season game at Depew. I got there a little late, and it was standing room only. I ended up sitting at the announcer's table because there was nowhere else to sit. Fortunately, I know people there, and they were all cool. I'm like, yeah, you can sit over here. But it was literally standing room only, and if I wasn't a journalist or didn't know anybody, I probably would have been standing to watch that game. That must have been the 16th or 18th year when they were uh, very, very good. I think they started off 19-0 and or something like that. That was that year with uh, Eddie Marino, Rafa Puega, Puego? Puga. Puga, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that was a great team. And, yeah, that's what everyone talks about. You know, they had a lot of hype to them, and they put out a product on the court that people wanted to come see, and people came. I mean, like you said, pack gym almost every night, especially big games. And I, I know we can get back to that point. You know, it's just all part of the process. You just sounded like uh, Joel Embiid right there, the process. <laughs> and now, nowadays, that's taken about every factor that you can think of here. Everybody talking about the process now. Yeah, for sure. Everybody. At all levels. Yeah, and any sport, too. It's all about the journey, the process, you know. I know this is your first year as, you know, the head coach at Depew, and you're, you know, doing coaching all kinds of different things. Uh, how long do you think you're going to keep that up and just coaching different things, or is there a couple sports that you want to kind of focus in on and that you're just helping for now, or, or do you really enjoy coaching everything? Like you talked about earlier, you know, definitely pros and cons. I definitely love that doing the different sports, and you know, with track and volleyball, you're, you're coaching girls too, so they're all my students, so I'm able to, you know, kind of develop that closer relationship with a bunch of students rather than just the basketball players or just the golfers. I do hope, you know, starting next year, maybe the year after, I can just focus on golf and high school basketball and maybe still help out track. But my big thing is I would like 
to get people into middle school volleyball, junior high basketball especially, get people in there that I can trust and I know that they're I'm leaving the kids in good hands. Um, and that's my biggest concern now. I've already talked about I definitely will do it again, you know, if we can't find anyone. But trying to get people that are interested, that are devoted to it, that are dedicated to it, that really want to help the kids, you know, develop um, skills, develop their game. But, you know, also just the teaching them about life aspect of coaching. So we're kind of looking now just to lessen my workload. But um, it's kind of hard to tell right now. So we'll have to see up in the next coming months how that kind of plays out. Well, before I let you go, I got one more question. This might be the toughest one, Trey. Am I the worst basketball official that you ever had? Oh, no, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> I was worried about that have, at first. No, you don't have to worry about that at all. <laughs> I, I promise you go to some po, uh, podunk gyms around not just Illinois, but anywhere. You'll find some people doing it that have no business doing it. But, and, you know, at, at this point, uh, kind of where we are with officials, I don't think anyone could complain about any degree of effectiveness from officials. I think all coaches should just be thankful and happy that people are out there willing to take the time to try and help the kids out. And that's the biggest thing because you keep losing officials, kids aren't going to be able to play. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just full for every rep that we can get. You know, hopefully that keeps growing too. No doubt. I went to a conference this past summer in Bloomington and there was 55 boys basketball referees at the time I was 36 years old and I was the second youngest yep and that's the problem I know I saw something um I think it's for volleyball they're starting to kind of try to get older high school kids into clinics and kind of start teaching them how to ref and start making more money to try and get a younger generation of refs, which I think is awesome. I think more things like that need to start happening. You know, refing is good money. It's it's a long day. It definitely is a long day. But the hardest part is, you know, whether it's coaches or parents, sometimes players, that they make it not worth it. It's not worth the time to go get belittled and yelled at. So, you know, hopefully something changes. We can get new generation in and hopefully uh people can start acting right at some of these games definitely this is my second year almost the end of it i still have games until march 9th today's the second so i got a week left of games but uh i love it i'm gonna keep doing it and uh i think at this point i can only get better <laughs> yeah hey well i hope you know i appreciate you doing it i think it means a lot to you know a lot of games we wouldn't have been able to play without you and that's just one ref so imagine if we could start getting a lot more definitely we definitely got to get more people in there and guys like me guys like uh you know referees that i know are happy for you know families like yours that have bond together to be coaches because honestly the coaches ranking is starting to you know filter out a little bit too or at least people that are knowledgeable about the sports that can help these kids in a positive light instead of just kind of being a babysitter and have them, having them run on the court. Yeah, exactly. Actually, being able to teach the skill, teach all the basics, you know, it's, it is it's becoming a lost art, unfortunately. Most definitely. I think you and I could talk about this pretty much all day. Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt about that. <laughs> 
Well, Trey Bloomers, the boys basketball coach at Depew, just wrapped up his first season as a head boys basketball coach. Thank you, as always, for joining. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, and stay tapped into Depew. Hopefully big things coming here in the future.